Hi everybody, welcome to the NMC Watch podcast. Thanks for listening. All of our guests have had a variety of experiences when they've been referred to their regulator, such as the Nursing and Midwifery Council. They've gone through a fitness to practice investigation and often a local employment investigation as well. Some of those experiences have been very positive, but some not so positive. And we hope to give them a safe space in which to discuss those further. Some of our guests will express opinions that we don't agree with. That's fine. They're welcome to share those opinions and hopefully it will create some debate. But although we may not share their opinions, we offer them a safe space in which to discuss how it felt to be referred, how they got through it and how life is now they've got through the other side. Hi, Barbara. Lovely to see you. Hello, Hello. Catherine. Hi. So welcome to our podcast. Just as an introduction, I'd like to introduce you to Barbara. Barbara uh, was 63 years old when she was referred to the first referred to the NMC. The allegation was sexual assault. The referrer also contacted the police. The alleged incident occurred in 2018, and after 33 months, it concluded with multiple adjournments. And after 10 days over a seven month period, the NMC produced an application to withdraw the case through lack of evidence. Whilst this was a huge relief to have the case closed, Barbara's case has taught us more about the conduct of the NMC legal teams and the need for better transparency around evidence. So thanks for joining us, Barbara. It's great to see you. And Good to be uh, here. Be great to just share with everybody your experiences because it was, gosh, it was a, a very difficult time, wasn't it? Could you just tell everybody yes. a bit about your experience as a nurse before the actual incident happened? Right. Um, I qualified later in life. I, I was fortunate to get on a postgraduate course of two years with Nottingham University and I qualified in 2003, um, did a rotational post, so uh, six months gynae and then I went into the A&E department. Um, I quickly uh, got what I really wanted to do and that was to work in the community. Um, but I still kept on doing bank shifts for A&E because I really enjoyed, enjoyed that work. Um, and I continued to, to do that uh, for some time until I moved down to uh, Devon in 2010. And uh, I fell into the world of uh, NHS continuing care, doing assessments. So it was about finances, but the emphasis, I was working as a nurse and doing some very, very intense assessments. Um, so I've held a lot of positions, um, responsible positions. Before I became a nurse, I, I worked in hostels, bail hostels, I worked for the probation service, and I was also um, an elected member on a local council and indeed on a county council as well. So I was a bit of a face in the community. <laughs> um, so before your referral, had you had any experience of the NMC at all other than registering with them? Had you had any no. knowledge of how it worked? No, no. I knew nothing really apart from paying my dues and uh, receiving the code of conduct and looking at looking at that and obviously adhering to that code no i knew nothing of of the deal how how they deal with uh, 
registrants when they get referred. No, no idea. And um, when you were referred, how did you hear about the referral initially? Right, well, it was almost about this time of year. And um, I had a letter, actually, from the company that I worked for. However, I'd left that company in the May. So uh, I could see the uh, heading of the company through the window in the envelope. And so I was curious, you know, to, wondered what it was. And uh, when I opened the letter, I was, just, I was just astounded, really shocked, because it laid out that they'd had this complaint. and. Um, it just, it simply said that the, 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 I'd been referred to the NMC and to the police. Um, so I wasted no time at all and contacted the company and spoke to one of the senior managers there. I was in a bit of a state, uh, you know, I was really, and it almost comes back to you, that feeling of, you know, just what's going on here. And um, he was very good with me and he said, uh, I'll see what I can tell you, he said, but I'm guessing now that uh, this will be about someone who's had the benefits cut as a result of your assessment. So he went away and he came back to me and he said, I was absolutely right, yes. And all he was able to tell me was the gender of the person and uh, a rough age of the person. And he said, if I wanted to know more, my best thing to do was to call the NMC, which I did. You know, I think I had a cup of tea and, you know, took a few breaths. And, and uh, yeah, fortunately, I was able to get through to them quite quickly, which is a rare thing. Um, yeah, so that was how it all came about, really. Um, following that, call that they the NMC enlightened me further and sent me some paperwork um, and a couple of days after that I had a telephone call from the uh, the police uh, their senior officer of the uh, sexual offences division inviting me to the local police station to be interviewed under a caution which was immensely scary uh, just to hear that and uh, you know I, I saw my partner go quite ashen and you know he was just devastated for me you know we, we both wondered what was happening you know it was like yeah my whole world was shook up really just as a result of receiving this this letter and anyway to cut a long story short um, the police did their job I was interviewed indeed under a caution in the company of a duty solicitor and um, they dealt with it extremely professional very very swiftly and within I would say two to three weeks I had a letter saying that they found that I had no case there to answer and that uh, they were of the opinion that the case was financially driven um, and so at that point really I thought Yes, well, you know, this is probably, um, you know, reaching the end, but uh, no, because I didn't know anything about the NMC, it, that was uh, not the case at all. So whilst, um, you know, I thought it was going to be all over very quickly, 
indeed you know it was best part of you know close approaching four years really that's an awful long with the whole thing an awful long time agonizing time and during yeah. during that time did the nmc explain to you every step of what was going to be happening no and uh they they simply would refer to the the website um no i spoke initially to someone in screening and it, it, it was just all as it is really new to me i've never been faced with anything like this before um and it was then really um i came across the nmc watch group over that christmas um although i did i've missed a little stage out there because I did, um, yeah, I did speak to to them, but didn't really get any joy. You know, I knew I could have a pre-meeting and things, but very little, really. It was just all make your way around the website. And, yeah, there was no compassion or caring until I found the NMC. And um, then I guess I saw how serious the allegation was indeed and uh, and that I did need some formal representation um, and as you know you Catherine supported me and so did uh, Simon Holborn without whose help I, I just don't know what I would have done to be honest. Before you met us how was it feeling at that time to you? Just dreadful because it feels like you're carrying this burden this almost you know, and it, oh, it just felt horrible. I felt, I don't know, even though I knew I was innocent, you know, I, I still felt tainted, tarnished. I couldn't speak to anybody about it. Um, you know, people's attitudes are around things, you know, or oh, there's no smoke without fire, you know, must have done it. And this, you know, those attitudes exist. And so it wasn't until I found the NHS watch group um where I knew that there was other people in similar situations and it was just such an absolute relief that you could talk about it openly you could have a little vent and uh, yeah without disclosing anything about the case but you, you know the comforting thing was that you wasn't on your own and that I was going to be you know supported in a way that I had confidence Good. Yes. good. That's that's good to hear that we were able to do that for you. So how did you prepare for the for the hearing eventually when it comes? How long did it all take for it to actually come to a hearing? Some I think uh, I think we said, didn't we, about 33 months. But the actual uh, alleged incident had actually taken place in the April of 2018. Um, so you know, and I actually left the company in the May. Um, it wasn't um, the best job in the world, really. Um, I was very isolated and there was little support, really. Um, the company itself actually changed its name during the uh, two weeks training that I did because it had some terrible reviews. Oh, you know, gosh. it was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of pressure to do um, so many interviews per day. And uh, when you're talking about people's health um, and asking lots of questions, it can take 
a little bit of time. You've got to allow time for them to feel comfortable to give you the information that you need. Um, so, yeah, I left um, before I was officially approved um, because to be approved, you had to uh, get so many what they called A1s um, through and uh, I hadn't quite reached that, but I was fairly close. But once you'd passed the approval stage, instead of seeing three people a day, you then went on to seeing five people a day. So in a way, your success became your downfall as well. You know, it was mm -hmm. it was a, a quite a tough job, office-based. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it suited me. That sounds like a very challenging job, though, insofar as you know the it workload was. and the clients yeah. that you were having. It yeah. Was. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, apart from what was given on the website, etc., did the NMC give you any other advice on how to prepare for for it coming to a hearing? No, no. Other than um, at first, because of the nature of the allegation, the. Uh, witness had been deemed by them to be vulnerable uh, so initially they told me that how uh, they would have to have special counsel and that I wouldn't be able to question um, the person myself and it, so that made it necessary as well to get uh, you know some proper representation yeah rather than going down that route but no other than that no without going into too much detail but there, there was quite a few stops and starts wasn't there to say the least to your case oh, when it's it when it finally yes. when it finally came to hearing there was a lot of uh ping-ponging shall we say it um, was indeed how was that for you i mean i know how it felt for us trying to support you so how how was that for yourself well uh, you know after you've waited such a long time for it to come to a hearing it was only scheduled originally, I think, for three days. Mm. And uh, it became really obvious, you know, into the second day that they were never going to get through it all because of all the stops and starts and, you know, legal arguments and breaks that we had. It, it was a torturous process, really, you know, without, without your support as well and explaining to me that, don't worry, Barbara, this is quite normal. Yeah, they'll have a break, they'll come back. Uh, and, you know, we spoke throughout that. But had I have not have had that, you know, I would have just been, well, just more traumatised than ever, really. Um, and then after the three days, of course, they weren't able to bring the same panel back together until the June, some date in June. And, um, and then again, it was, uh, you know, a bit of a circus and... Uh, Eventually, then there was it was further adjourned uh, because they weren't able to find any evidence. They weren't able to get the witness to uh, to appear and speak and uh, be questioned. And so then it went to a date in uh, back end of August. I think it was the day after the August bank holiday um, in the year of 2021. So, yeah, it still seems very. Uh, or at times yeah. yeah absolutely yeah it's um it was a very very long process for you and uh, it, by no means easy at all the, the the thing that struck me was that the fact that you were there the whole time every single day 
um, yes, sitting yeah. there waiting, waiting, yes. waiting for things to to get going and and um, complying with every single step of it, which um, you should be very yeah. proud of yourself for that. It was um, yeah. it was a very hard time. And that was acknowledged, Catherine, if I may say, that was acknowledged by the chair of the panel. It was. Um, yeah. It doesn't ever seem to be acknowledged by the NMC, you know, at the end of it all when it's well, you know, we have no evidence, we're going to withdraw. It simply felt like another day in the office for them. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what I expected, but it just seemed to cut. And, uh, you know, there was no, we're really sorry that we had to put you through all this. And, you know, we are grateful that you've complied. I don't know. It, it you just saw kind of finished. You saw quite a difference between how the panel behaved and how the NMC themselves behaved. Yes, 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 I did. Okay. If you could talk to the NMC now, and I know you are trying to um, give gentle suggestions on how to improve things, if you could um, maybe give them three ways they could have improved how they handled your case in particular, what would you ask them to do better? Oh, I think the first thing would be around the deadlines. Um I think, you know, I can give you a good example of after February, after the three days in February, um, I think it was on your advice, Catherine, that I requested uh, a subject access request, a SARS, as we call it. And uh, I think according to the NMC's uh, guidelines, this should have been in my possession within something like 28 days. And so let's say I applied for that at the end of February. I know that I received that four days before the hearing began in June, and it was two huge boxes. I remember boxes you that, Yeah, that normally hold, I don't know how many reams of copier bomb, two yeah. boxes, very, very badly photocopied, you know, without any care, it wasn't really in any order. And so I had like four days um, to go through to go through that really and see if I could pull out anything that um, you know was relevant that I hadn't seen before. And indeed, I, I did come across uh, information you know that that was good. Um, yeah, absolutely. And those SAR requests are, are really important, aren't they? Because they can yeah. help you fit the jigsaw puzzle and fit all the yeah. pieces in into place. Um, but, it's interesting that it only the, came came a few days before your hearing. There wasn't much time to yes. absorb it. Yeah. I know. The, the other, um, I think they should act more professionally. Um, by that, perhaps, I think the whole thing really fails at the investigation stage. And I, I never felt confident in the qualifications of the investigator. Um, I know that you know I've got another case, uh, but it was the same investigator in the beginning um, who was very flippant, um, um, referred to the uh, referrer or the witness very often, you know, by the first name. Um, you know, it was all seemed very informal with them. Um, I didn't feel that they were professional at all, very difficult uh, to get through on the switchboard. 
I didn't realize that that was outsourced and that the people that answer the phone have got no idea who you're trying to get hold of. They don't know who they are. Um, I could go on and on about this, but... Uh, so the, base, the general way that they were communicating with you, you felt you were sort of on the back foot a little bit. And, yeah, um, and, yeah. Not... and the third thing is the uh, anonymity. Mm-hmm. You know, as a nurse, your name goes on that website underneath the, the listings, yes. um, you know, and then so people can, you know, it's, it's there for anybody to see. And um, it's a shame, really, they can't use the same practice as what's in place with the police force. You know, their names wouldn't go on a website until they were found to be guilty. Yes. Uh, Whereas a nurse, you know, it's on there, whether it's misconduct or whatever, it's there for people to see. And, uh, you know, we know how many cases as well get thrown out or, you know, no case to answer, no evidence. It's a massive intrusion yeah. on your personal life, and um, like you say, for yeah, for something is. that hasn't yet been proven, it seems a little bit yeah. excessive to to um, have those yeah. names appearing on the website. Maybe that'll change. Yeah. Who knows? Hopefully. Yeah. Hope so. I think that's the whole thing, really, with the NMC, in that you are considered guilty to begin with. You know, somebody's written something about you, and. Uh, they just seem to run with it, really, without. And that's how it feels. It feels like you're. Treating... That's how it feels. You've got to prove a negative. You've got to prove yourself innocent. Mm. And uh... that's certainly something that a lot of people tell yeah. us, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you mentioned there that your second case is, is going on now. Um, how long has that case been going on? Yes, I, ha- I had a bad time in uh, November 2018 because it came up within weeks mm. of each other. So it's still going on, yeah, so. Gosh, okay. Are there any similar themes? Point. Are there any similar themes to how your first one was dealt with and how this is being dealt with? Well, uh, yes, um, with regards to the deadlines. Uh, in fact, this the second case actually started off in London and when the investigator left, it got, I didn't know until I had a phone call from this chappie up in Edinburgh. So it went up to the Edinburgh office and then it came back down to the London office. Um, No, so that was just so prolonged. Um, Yeah. Communication again, basically. Communication, yeah. The deadlines are just so painful, you know, and they'd say, yeah, we'll get back to you and nobody ever does or, you know, they've got, they got this nasty habit as well of sending stuff out to, you know, to you on a Friday afternoon, you know, and then you're left with that agonising worry all weekend until you can either get to speak to somebody or they can read your email. Yeah. So it's all very frustrating. We took that issue up with Andrea Sutcliffe, didn't we, about the communication on weekends, bank holidays, yeah. you know, leaving yeah. people hanging. And yeah. and um, there has been a promise to make sure that that is avoided as much yeah. as possible. So yeah. hopefully something good yeah. will come from that. Um, yeah. You, yeah. I know you've asked, um, one of the things you've asked from the NMC is to be able to voluntarily remove yourself, vo- voluntarily remove yourself from the register. 
Um, yeah. Can you yeah. just explain to people listening um, why you want to do that, why that's important? It is important. Um, you know, at the beginning of this, we said that when I was first referred, I was 63. I shall be 68 in uh, January. Boy, does time fly. <laughs> when you're having fun uh, or not. I haven't actually worked and sin since November 2018. I haven't worked. Um, I did stop paying my uh, registration fees beginning of 2019. Um, nothing was said about that. You know, you can do that. Um, but they is still, you know, they're still on your case sort of thing. Um, but I have, as well as completing the, the voluntary removal form, I did uh, write well, a couple of pages of A4 um, explaining that uh, there won't be any time when I will want to continue nursing or, you, you know, um, I'm in receipt of state pension now. I also, uh, for the last six months, I've been caring for my elderly mother. So I really, you know, I don't have the time. I don't want to work again. Yeah. Um, but I would just like to have retired. And, um, you know, with this at the back of me, instead of it just seems to be haunting me. And it's it's not left me with a good feeling. You know, I've never felt, oh, I'm retired. Isn't it lovely? Because during that time, I've had this you know, and it, and it has at times been very time consuming. I know um, it probably seems a bit of a bizarre concept to people that aren't in the professional, haven't been through fitness to practice, that we're not in charge of our own pin as such. It's almost no, it's no. almost like it's on loan to us, <laughs> which, you know, I, yeah. we get, we understand that. But when you want to voluntarily yeah. remove yourself from the register, yes, you can stop paying your fees. Um, and you, your registration can lapse. But whilst whilst you're having an investigation, you're not allowed to take yourself off the register at your yeah. own fruition. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that seems almost a little bit a little bit cruel that there can't be some compromise to be able to re be reached um, that doesn't negate anything that's gone yeah. on, but obviously allows you to bow out gracefully almost. I do wonder whether some of the people's cases that we see on the NMC website, whether the, some of the ones that have not attended, whether they've just literally um, bowed out, if you like, and whether, whether they may have wanted yeah. to remove themselves. So have you had any response from the NMC about removal? No, only to say that they uh, know that they wouldn't let me do that. You know, because they say that I have not accepted the full facts of the allegation um, and that they consider my fitness to practice to be impaired by reason of misconduct. But, you know, I'm not going to practice. And I, I think, you know, certainly what registrants, well, I, I wouldn't have had any clue. As, but, you know, th this is money and... You know, you question them, you know, why are the NMC pursuing this? You know, it's going to cost an excessive amount of money. I do believe, Catherine, I think you've got some estimates on my last case, which was a staggering amount of about 31,000. You know, and this is registrant's fees. Yes. You know, they really should be accountable. Um, for a, for a case, for a 
for a case to have been yeah. closed without any evidence. It's yeah. Just, it's just yeah. not right. And I mean, there is no sanction. You know, I've already seen the sanction bid that they would like to put on me, and that would be um, conditions on my practice. But, you know, what is that if I'm not going to practice? It just seems an absolute farce. Yes. You know, yeah. it really does. When, you know, they could be pursuing some someone else. Um, but they, they just don't let go. Another, you know, I've been looking at, I look at the NMC logo, you know, and they say they're fair. Well, they're just not fair. They're not fair at all. They're not kind. They're certainly not kind. I think I've evidenced that. But they're not collaborative either, which they say they are. Because, you know, why didn't they collaborate with, with the police over my first case? And then, you know, surely, you know, a lawyer would have seen through that. You know, the police did. So why didn't an NMC lawyer see that? You know, they are ambitious. And I, I think they are because they want to get as many cases and, and they want to win. They want to win. But so I would say to like anyone that's up against the uh, NMC, that not to ignore it, to participate as much as possible. I think one thing that, you know, has come out of the COVID um, pandemic is now that a lot of the hearings are, where possible, they are virtual. Yes. Because if not, I mean, it would have cost me an absolute fortune if I'd have had to have gone off to Cardiff for my hearing. You know, it's not just travel. You've got to pay for accommodation and you're left. You are left uh, somewhat. You, you know, I'm quite fortunate, but you can be left, you know, financial. It can have a financial impact. It impacts on your family, can impact on your mental health because you get depressed and anxious and all the rest of it. And indeed, your physical health, you know, yeah. you find it takes over and you're perhaps not looking after yourself the way that you should. Some people would ask, why don't you just walk away? Why don't you stop paying your fees, ignore the process and just walk away? What would you say to that? No, I think we have to defend ourselves. As nurses, we're good advocates for patients. And so why not be a good advocate for yourself? You know, you should always fight for fairness and justice. You know, we can't, we can't allow them to get away with it we have to find our corner it's important for your your story to be heard isn't it and it's important for people to know it what is. the truth is yes. yeah 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 and as you proved yeah. with the first case you know you proved that there wasn't there wasn't it wasn't justified and um it was false for it to have come forward so um yeah. there's yeah. no reason why why you shouldn't be able to do that again it's just a shame that you have to really Okay. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to yeah. say to people listening at all um, about what they should do if they're coming across themselves being referred to the NMC at all? Find out as much as you can about the, the process. And uh, yeah, I always asked for everything that was sent to me electronically. I also had it in a hard copy as well, uh, you know, because sometimes it's very difficult looking at a lot of information scrolling up and down a screen and it's good to have there to highlight and make notes that's very important 
um, take advantage of the pre-meetings that are available, you know, if you can um, keep notes, write, do the reflections, you know, um, and just, you know, take from the NMC watch what's available because there's a hell of a lot of support and resources within the group. And uh, no question is a deaf question. There's always an answer somewhere. Absolutely. We find it together, won't we? So thanks. I yes. know it must have been quite difficult to go over yet again everything that's happened, but I really appreciate you doing that. It's yeah. a really powerful story and um, yeah. I'm sure listeners will be will be um, quite surprised to hear some of it as well. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to take some pieces of what we've learned from helping you with your cases to um, make yeah. things a bit better yeah. for other people. So thank you so much. Okay, you take care. Okay. I'd like to say it was a pleasure. It has been a pleasure talking to you. But the journey wasn't a pleasant one. No, I know. It's a shame we had to meet this way, but in another life. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Catherine. Thank Thank you. Okay, so we hope you enjoy listening to us. And we'll look forward to hearing your feedback soon. Bye.